Welcome to the FinTech Today podcast with your host, Carlos Cabrera, where everything is unfolded from FinTech news, personalities, and stories just for you. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Carlos Cabrera for FinTech Today, working hard every day on bringing you the best content on the web. We have a uh, guest that needs no introduction. His name is Tony Batista. He is well known. He's got the number one ranked financial program on the web, Tasty Trade Live. He is part, he's done trade hacks as well as the Bat the Mechanic in terms of a short term video series. His career highlights include being a market maker at the Chicago Board Options Exchange. He has worked as an independent trader at the Chicago Board of Trade. Uh, for uh, quite a bit of time where he traded the 30-year bond futures. He's been part of the uh, Chicago Board of CBOE Arbitration Committee for over 10 years. And also he was part of the Think or Swim team, which is currently TD Ameritrade. Thank you, Tony, for giving uh, us some some time and sharing your expertise. Pleasure, Pleasure, Carlos. Thank you for having me on. So, so what, uh, what is your view on the current, uh, on the big swings that the current market uh, has? Well, uh, as you can see, you can hear some of those dings, and, and I'm still trading as we're talking now, if that's okay with you, I hope. That's even better. <laughs> okay, and your audience. Um, yeah, listen, for me right now, the swings have been few and far in between for my liking. Like, I like a lot more two-sided action. We've had um, I would call it basically one-sided action to the upside. We've had a lot of action uh, overnight that's been a little bit more two-sided than during the day. And, you know, for me, overnight trading is not something that I, that I really kind of um, look forward to doing, not just because the markets get a little, bit, um, a little bit wide in some of the products that will trade options at night, but futures trading to me is, you know, if you're not doing a pairs trade one against another, it's basically a 50-50 shot. And I prefer to trade with a, a higher probability of success by using option strategy. So overnight action, if there's a lot of action going on, it annoys the hell out of me because uh, I basically miss it. I see. Well, so that means that you basically, you do it throughout the day. And then when you're off, you... Uh, don't dedicate as much time. Yeah, I mean, I monitor my positions, but, you know, listen, once you put on a position, you know, the, way, the time to manage a position is on entry, not uh, on 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 the, the fruition of the trade, how it's been moving. It really is by setting your size, being relatively small on entry, like, you know, no, no one trade could um, make a huge difference in your life one way or the other. Like, you know, there's a yin and a yang to it. You know, it's a long... It's a long trading career. When I first started in 1983, you know, I didn't think it'd be 2021 and I'd still be doing it, you know. So, you know, it's a long career for everybody who's out there just starting it, whether it's, you know, your first year or 10 years into it, you got you got decades to go. So you don't have to do it all today. That's great. I mean, that's a great uh, way to look at, at all these trades. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think in terms of the most effective uh, techniques uh, hedging techniques that you can recommend for investors out there that that want to do this part-time? Sure, sure. Um, 
I hope they like this answer. Um, I think it's very hard to do anything part-time and I don't know what part-time is. Um, you know, I, I work all day on, on the show Tasty Trade and, and part of our trading platform, Tasty Works, you know, basically 24-7 uh, on it. But, I mean, I end at 3 o'clock Central Standard Time when the market closes and, you know, then I become a dad to, to my kids and a, and a wife, uh, you know, a husband to my wife. It's not a part-time job being, being a husband or, or being a father to, to children. You're doing it all the time. So you may think it's part-time job, but it's a full-time job. It's just another job in addition to maybe one that you get a paycheck on. I try to tell people when they first start trading, um, learn how to pay your electric bill this month. Like that, that's, that, no, no, seriously. Like, you know, learn how to buy lunch, you know, this week, you know, like that's what I want you to do when you start, when you start to trade. And if you look at it that way, you know, I prefer option strategies, but I don't care how you do it. I mean, I just want you to be successful trading. But if you're risking, you know, $300 to, to make $150 or to make $100, you have about a 70% probability of success. You know, if you risk more to make less, you have a higher probability of success. And that's what I want you to do. And I just want you to try to pay for your pay for your lunch this week, like maybe one day this week, you know, you buy lunch for yourself that, you know, your trading profits took care of, or you you pay for your electric bill this month. If you look at it that way, you can be successful. If you look at it where, you know, it's a part-time job and I want to make, you know, 25% of my income or increase my income by 25% this year, it's too long of a time frame. And quite frankly, I think you'll, you know, you won't be successful because you just, you can't make that kind of money whatever that is, you know, one investor's floor is another investor's ceiling, you know, you know, hundred dollars could be a lot of money to me and it could be a little amount of money to your, to your audience. Um, it just, it's just too hard. You got to get really tight in and just kind of focus on small goals, especially when you first start trading, but well, it's not part-time. Well, there you go. So one step at a time, but you have to be 100% in it and uh, I, I think listen i mean your audience probably um uh has DraftKings accounts or they probably love to watch something on netflix that they'll binge watch you know that's not a part-time job either i mean you know maybe they like betting on 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 draft kings and they'll look at it every day you know what i mean and or maybe they'll look forward to a show on netflix that they're going to binge watch all weekend i mean that's not a part-time job either you're doing it because you want to you should be doing this because you want to Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that uh, options is, is such an active environment that you have to watch it even, um, as you say, enough hours just to yeah. know what's going on the, the uh, day after. And sure. uh, yeah, what, what, what's your take on, you know, that, if, for instance, one of your videos that I really liked, and I'm sure you remember this one, is... Um, your video with Karen, the super trader. I, I really love that one. I mean, you have many, all your videos are great. Yeah. So one of the things that, that you guys talk about is, um, is about the VIX and also the, the probability of, of options, um, mm -hmm. the, right, the right level of probability of, of, of options being in the money. Right. So what is your take on these two gauges uh, as, as hedging you know, uh, strategies? Yeah, um, it's funny you mentioned Karen because um, she gets like uh, 
she gets a lot of views on on YouTube, and and, and I think it's because of the. The, the magnitude and the sensationalization of what she's done. I'm, I'm actually going to dinner with her tonight, believe it or not. Wow. And I haven't seen wow. her in years. So um, I'm looking forward to it. She's in, she's in Chicago, I think on, on holiday, not for any other reason, but um, she carved out a little time for us to, to go to dinner. So I'm having dinner tonight. Um, for retail trading, on a smaller scale, not somebody who has a hundred million dollars or plus that's that's trading the market. I think it has a you know some things are good to know and some things will make you money. Um, VIX can make you money. It's, it's rare. VIX can make you money, and it's a good thing to know. Like I look at volatility, and I won't look at VIX that much. That's the um, the the precursor to forward slash VX, which is the future. Like I don't look at the option. I'm an option guy, and I don't look at the options on VIX, which is which is odd. I look at the future. It's one of the few futures, like even the S and P's, Nasdaq, Russell, and then you know obviously bonds and and soybeans and a couple of the the softs. But forward slash VX, when that goes higher, that's just telling me that there are more option aggressive buyers than sellers. It's not more buyers, it's not less buyers, it's more aggressive buyers. Because for every trade, there has to be a buyer and a seller. And the only way volatility goes higher is if you're willing to pay more, buyers are willing to pay more each time to meet a seller. So for me to trade VIX is, um, it's not an opening strategy for me. It's more of like, wow, volatility is going higher let me think about my entry because that's the only thing I can control. So if I wanted to buy something or sell something, it doesn't matter to me, but if I wanted to buy something and volatility is going higher, whether it's a call or a put, I would be more aggressive with my pricing. Meaning um, uh, if the market's one to, to 104, I might go in at 102 normally because that's mid price and I would still do that. But if I don't get filled, I'm up at 103 immediately. And if I'm not filled, I may even pay 104 because it just means volatility is going higher. Option pricing is going higher. And on the other side, if I want to sell and the market's, you know, $1 to 104, I might go in at 103 and let it sit for a second or two. And then if I don't get filled and I'm watching the market and my product isn't moving the direction I want, I'll go down to 102 and then you usually get filled. So for me, volatility is more of an entry strategy than, than, uh, than an aggressive um, uh, uh, hedging strategy. But there are some good strategies to use with volatility products. Now, the only problem is VIX is very expensive to trade for retail investors. And by expensive, I'm not talking about the commissions that you know my brokerage firm, Tastyworks, might charge you a dollar to get in and out on an option, a dollar total. That's not the expensive part. The expensive part is the buying power and how much credit or, or, or how much you have to pay for the options to get that bang for your buck. VIX is a product that um, doesn't behave like an IBM or a Netflix or a Facebook. You know, just because volatility is going higher, VIX doesn't necessarily have to go higher because it's almost like a binary option. Um, VIX is priced to the expiration of forward slash VX. That's why when you look at um, VIX and it's trading at 
Here, well, I'll give you exact numbers today if I if I could. Um, VIX right now is up a dollar twenty eight to nineteen fifty two. If I go to the September options and I go to the nineteen strike, right? Remember the stock where the the VIX is nineteen and a half with option pricing. If you're right at the money, and you tell me the call is trading for four dollars, then the put is trading right around $4. That's that's how it works. Go to any stock you want that doesn't have a dividend. And if you say the call is trading at $4, the put's going to be 380, 420, but it's going to be right around $4. When I go to VIX in September and I look at the 19 strike, the 19 calls are trading for $4.70 and the puts are trading for $1.30. That means VIX pricing in September is not $19.50, it's significantly higher. So when I look at the option chain again, and I go to around the 23 strike, the call is trading for $3.40, and the put is trading for $3.90. That tells me that volatility is wrapped around closer to $23 in September than the price it's trading at right now, $19. But VIX doesn't have any stock, it's just a number. So that number could be zero. That number could be 150. It doesn't matter. The option pricing really tells you where the future is trading. Now, that's very confusing for most option traders who are not familiar because it's the only product, one of the few products that works that way. So for retail, I mean, it's a long way for me to say for retail investing, I don't think it's the first place they should be going. For Karen, the super trader and hedge funds and you know, other uh, big entities that are that are trying to hedge a, a lot of money or have too much exposure on one side of the market. Sure, it's probably a great place. But for, for me and you and 99.9% and of your audience, it's probably not the place to be. I see. Well, that's, that's, I'm happy that you can explain that to our audience, because a lot of people, you know, they have this, uh, tendency to look at the VIX and always say, as you know, oh yeah, if it's over 18, you cannot go into the market, all that. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good to know. Like, like there's nothing, like I love market awareness. Like I love for somebody to, matter of fact, I don't think you could trade without knowing where volatility is or has been. Not that you could tell where it's going to go tomorrow. It's just context. It's just putting things into perspective. Um, it's just, it just allows you to, to, find other things to do, but I don't think VIX is the place to do it, that product alone. Right, and, and what would you say usually when you want to uh, hedge, what's, what's your guidance? Is it just options of uh, pricing or do you um, have anything else that you guide yourself with every day? And so, so let's think about what a hedge is, first of all. So you're, you're first admitting that you're completely wrong, correct? With your original That's trade, <laughs> Good point. right? Good point. So, so, so you love something, you love the ABC stock and now AB stock is, ABC stock is going exactly the wrong direction and now you wanna hedge it. It's probably okay. the worst time to do something. Yeah. So let's say for argument's sake, so you gotta put it all into context. So let's say a stock is a hundred and you love it and you sell the 95 put, that would be something I would do. So you're selling a naked put because you want the stock to go higher. Remember, if you buy a put, you want the stock to go lower. If you sell a put, you want the stock to go higher. Right. The stock's 100. It has to go down to 95 at expiration for you to be on the like break-even point plus 
whatever credit you receive. So let's say you got $2 in credit. So you, so the stock's 100, your break even's 93. Mm-hmm. Now things are going wrong. Maybe the market's not cooperating. Like your stock could be a great stock and you can do all the technical analysis that you, that you want to and you just get it wrong. It happens to all of us. The stock is down at, let's say, 97. And that option you sold at $2 is now $4. Well, now you're thinking, so how do I hedge this? There is no real way to hedge it. Like you have a loss. You don't want to realize that loss. But there are some intelligent ways to minimize some of that loss. And for me, like the first thing I want to do is not use any more buying power because I don't want to, um, you know, Listen, we, all, we all have so much money in our account. I mean, we can always use more. And if I'm hedging something, I, like I said from the beginning, I'm going, to, I'm going exactly against what my heart feels, right? You know, because I was completely wrong on the trade. You know, I might look to sell a call that has half the delta. So if my 95 put for argument's sakes, you know, now has a 40 delta, I might sell a call with a 20 delta. Remember, delta is just uh, the equivalent of stock. So I'm, I'm long 40 shares of stock on my put that I'm completely wrong with. I wanted the stock to go higher. It's gone lower. I'll sell a 20 delta call. I reduce my delta exposure, my share exposure by 50% to do that. It doesn't use any more buying power. So I sell this call for a dollar. Now I have $3 in credit that's trading for $5. I still have my you know, $2 loss. And what am I hoping for? I'm hoping for the same thing as I did before. Time goes by and my stock stays above 95. And if it goes back the other direction, I'll worry about it then. I'll move up my put. Again, I'm just, I can't worry about what's going to happen because all I can take care of is what's happening. And that's what's happening right now. So that'd be the first thing I do. So for me, I wouldn't be like, and just because um, my stock is going lower and volatility is going higher. And now I want to jump on, let's say VIX calls or, or VIX puts to, to get a delta to offset my product, that's not a one-to-one hedge. Like just because volatility is going in that direction doesn't mean my stock is going to go in that direction. The only complete one-to-one hedge is to stay inside the same product. So if you're trying to hedge ABC stock, my first place is to go into ABC stock and hedge that, not the macro or micro view of the overall market. Right. So basically for our listeners, you, what you believe in is to, if, if the case comes that you have to manage a position, it needs to be looked upon a, a, every single position, not the whole market itself. That's correct. That's correct. I mean, I will like on the, on the top of Tastyworks, we have a beta, beta weighted portfolio. You know, you have 10 or a hundred positions or thousand positions. It doesn't matter. It'll spit out a number on top, you know, compared to SPY, which is the market, the S&P 500, you know, how many deltas you're long or short. Now, you can certainly hedge that way a lot, you know, in one big click, but I prefer to go to each one and, and, and dive through it and see where the, see where the problem is. That's, that's, that's very true. I believe that what I've seen out of my, my, my short years involved in options it's that uh, every single stock, every single position vertical that you may have or, or naked put has a, a uh, you know, there's, there's a reason behind, say, Caterpillar dropping from, say, 223 to right now 209. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, as you know, things like that. 
hundred percent. I mean, uh, yeah, Target's been going nothing but straight up these days. It's down five dollars today. The market's unchanged. I mean, I'm not going to hedge my portfolio with a Target position. You know, what I mean, like I'm going to go into Target and look at Target as it's an individual stock and trade it that way. You know what I'm, I'm trying to say? Sure, and, and um, just uh, I'm not going to hedge Target with the S and P. You know what I mean? Like it works right. both ways. It works both ways. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, for instance, right now, what do you think that the tech sector is experiencing so much volatility than compared to last year? Last year it was such a straight up, mostly up, and now mm -hmm. we see all these swings. Um, what do you think is the reason behind that? Um. I mean, obviously nobody knows, so it's a, it's it's just an opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and my opinion is it got a little bit ahead of itself. Um, but I would have said that to you three months ago when it was lower. You know, I'm not trying yeah. to pick since we're at all time highs yeah. that it's ahead of itself. Um, I, I just think that everything kind of goes in a flow. And I think this time right now, you know, NASDAQ had had such a, like you said, you know, a year or so ago, a much flatter kind of volatility curve that we're starting to see a little bit more volatility into it just because everything runs in cycles. And I, and I think we're just in that cycle. I, I don't think you can fight it. You know what I mean? All you can do is kind of find it as a, as, as a guide to, for a new entry trade, like take Amazon, you know, uh, last week, you know, it gets rocked on, on earnings down 250, $260. Okay. You know, they made a gazillion dollars, but um, it wasn't enough gazillion dollars. If I would have given you that number ahead of time before earnings, I think the majority of us would have said, you know what, maybe the stock's going to be unchanged at worst, but it's probably going to be higher because that's a phenomenal number. But no, you know, their guidance was a little bit weak. I don't think that, you know, like I don't think there's, there was any way to have that number, that information and really benefit from it. But now you got a stock that's, you know, been in a decent wide range. It's down 250 bucks. You know, if you're if you're bullish on it, uh, selling a put or a put spread, you know, sounds great to me. If you're more neutral, you know, selling a call spread and selling a put spread together sounds great. You know, if you're if you want to try to catch a, a, a pin a stock number like you've done some research or you've analyzed it and you think, you know, twenty seven hundred is where it's going. Do a call broken wing butterfly and try to pin that number and, and you know, make yourself, a, you know, a lot of money with a limited amount of risk. You know, to me, it just opens up strategies, not necessarily, you know, good or bad. If a stock's just trending in one direction and slowly moving, that's the times I get killed. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't benefit from it. I'm, I think most retail investors benefit from it because they long it in their 401k or, or maybe they're doing it as a part-time hobby and wow. they're, they're buying ABC stock, uh, you know, using a lot of buying power to buy a small amount of stock. Uh, you know, they benefit from it, but it's not my market. I see. Wow. I like the volatility. Yeah, no, definitely. That's where the uh, opportunity lies, I would say. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So they, they, in terms of, in terms of um, right now, the, the, the sector that catches your eye, what would be the sector that right now, do you have a specific sector that you follow or do you follow the, the whole market? Uh, yeah, I'm a, student of, I'm a student of the market. I do hang out. Listen, liquidity is king. 
So for me, you know, it's all the liquid products. It's all the names that, you know, you probably talk about on your show all the times. A lot of them happen to be in the NASDAQ because that's where the volatility is. A lot of them are not in the Dow. You know, like I don't trade Dow stocks that much. I don't trade the Dow ETF, the diamonds. I do trade the Qs and SPY and IWM. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity between NASDAQ and Russell right now. Like I've been selling NASDAQ and buying Russell and that spread between futures has been moving, you know, two, three, even $4,000 intraday, which means that, the, you know, for those people who like to trade futures, there's a lot of, in my eyes, a lot of opportunity there. The great thing about futures right now is you have a lot of futures that allow you to get much smaller for retail, like, um, like forward slash MNQ. Uh, and forward slash M2K. M2K is the Russell. MNQ um, is the is the Nasdaq. It's like having a hundred shares of stock. It's a couple of hundred dollars in buying power. At least on Tastyworks platform, you can put that pairs trade in as one number. And if it moves a hundred dollars, you make a hundred dollars. If it moves two hundred dollars in the wrong direction, you lose two hundred dollars. But I've been playing that kind of relationship um, as it gets. You know, as it moves back and forth, I mean, today alone, and I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but today on so, August 2nd, mm -hmm. we've had um, about $400 range in that. So so for about six or $700 in buying power, you know, you get $400 worth of play on a day when the market's unchanged. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a good, you know, that's a good risk reward for me. So you're saying that that small uh, companies such as the ones included in the Russell in the in your expectation is that in the next say few months six months out uh, they'll have they're, they're gaining uh, traction again well I mean I mean here I mean the, the Russell is, is when you say the Russell you're basically talking you know you're, you're, you're talking IWM right now I mean uh, it has a lot of Uh, bank stocks. It has a lot of, it's a little bit more uh, interest rate sensitive. Um, it actually has a lot of AMC, you know, um, uh, it, it's actually the one of the highest holdings, but it's less than 1% of the whole, you know, index. And when you're talking about um, you, the NASDAQ, which is basically um, the Qs, you, you're talking about, you know, um, Apple, which is, which is, you know, almost 11%, Microsoft, which is, I think, around 10%, and, you know, Amazon, which is like 8% or 9%, and Facebook, 4%. So when I say I'm, I'm looking at NASDAQ versus the Russell, I'm really saying I'm looking at those, you know, six or eight stocks that have been so heavy in the NASDAQ that have been in one direction, which we just talked about a moment ago, to the upside and saying, You know what? If these two ETFs or these two futures are supposed to have an 80% or 90% correlation, and for the last you know year, the correlation has been like this, one is real high and one is real low, I'm just hoping when this one gets a little bit too far ahead of itself intraday that it's going to come back a little bit closer. Um, not get to here, but you know, just get a little closer and, and you know, I can make myself a buck or two. I'm not married to any of them. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's great. So you see our listeners should, one of the takeaways I would say is that 
they shouldn't i would i would say not marry into any position be sort of neutral towards you know all the companies that they're watching right yeah for sure i mean listen i fall in love every day you know with stocks either to hate them or to love them you know one way like because you know you have to have an opinion i mean I love being neutral, but you have to have an opinion. You can be neutral, can be a position, you know, an opinion. But I mean, you have to have some conviction. If it's just like, eh, I don't know, I don't know if you're going to be successful either. You know what I mean? You could be dead wrong and still be successful with options, which is where I've lived. Because I'm never right. Like, I really am. I, I'm rarely correct, you know, on every trade that I that I make. It's really the strategy that you use, you know, even a simple thing, like I explained a moment ago, you know, selling a put at 95 when the stock's hundred, it just gives you time and volatility. It just puts things on your side. And that can be a put spread, the, you know, the 95, 90 put spread. Like I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me how much buying power you're using. I just want you to be better than 50, 50 on entry because there's so many times people will say to me, Oh, I had that ABC stock and, it went down $10 first. And when it got back to even, you know, I got out of it. You know, if you had done an option strategy, you'd probably still be in it. You'd be trading it over the last year, catching or maybe not catching those moves, but at least you would have been able to benefit or had a shot to benefit from it as opposed to just, you know, kind of getting out of it because it didn't work from day one. That's right. And do you believe in the this uh, new concept of mem stocks? You... I think, well, I mean, I mean, as a short answer, no, you know, as a long answer, yes. And I'll, and I'll try to explain. And I hate being down the middle like this. Cause I, I usually have like a conviction when, when the meme stocks first came out, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, you know, and when Dogecoin first came out, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in the background. I think it engaged a lot of people that wouldn't like Robinhood. You know, it's my competitor. I think it's the, the, a horrible platform. And I, I think they took them a long time to get where they are today. And it's still, you know, a third rate platform. But it engaged a lot of people that I was never able to do. And we were never able to do, whether it be Thinkorswim in the beginning or, or Tastyworks today. We couldn't reach that audience. They reached an audience and engaged a group of people, whether it's balloons every time you make a trade or whatever, they found a way to engage a, a group of people, mostly younger, that had never done it before. So for that, I think it's amazing. Now, I hope that those people are smart enough to find what trading is really all about and not just having, you know, the apes are here or I got diamond eyes and hands. And that's not, that's smoke and hopium. To me and and retail investors have been smoking opium for 50 years and it's got to stop yeah that's that's uh... so for meme stocks for me they were a great engagement tool i don't think you could make a career or live by them there you go that's that's uh makes perfect well their liquidity is going to fall in and out of favor and you know eventually you know water will seek its its own level and I mean, like, I think AMC is extremely high for where it is today. It's in my mind at the moment. I was just thinking about yeah. that. Right. I mean, I, I think AMC is what, in the 30s, right? Like 30s. 30s yeah. I'm, yeah, $36. I think it should be $3.60 again, 
but you know that's my opinion i mean uh when it when it was 70 i was saying the same thing you know how can the stock be 70 maybe amc is is the is the one that that lives on i i i don't know i don't know but you know you've seen these other stocks like you know Bed Bath and Beyond, you know, that we're not going to do AMC anymore. We're going to jump on Bed Bath and Beyond, and the stock goes from, you know, twenty dollars to forty dollars, and you know, two weeks later, it's twenty five dollars. You know, that's that's no place for retail. That's that's for the sharks and and for the people kind of, you know, selling trading programs to get rich on, not for retail. Definitely, I, I agree with you. It's. Uh... There needs to be some substance behind the, the, the stocks. And, um, you know, Any, anytime you, you're looking risk. <laughs> anytime. So, so meme stock traders look at it, they put on a trade, they say, how much am I going to make? Right. A real trader, a real trader, when they put on a position, they've already looked at how much they could lose. Cause you, that's the only thing you can quantify is your risk. Not how much I'm going to make, like, you know, my wife, my family, my kids, you know, everybody helps me spend the money I make. Nobody comes into my office and says, you didn't do good today. Hey, let me get my piggyback out for you, dad. Here's my quarters and my nickels and dimes. Let me help you out. You know, you have to worry about the risk. How much you can make, that'll take care of itself and everybody else will help you with it too. Perfect. So another takeaway, focus on, on the risk, not the, the rewards. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, nowadays you see that, uh, for instance, um, there's a, there's a lot of talk about the, um, the, the changes, for instance, with, um, you, you've seen that for the, a lot, a lot of, uh, retail, uh, stocks such as, uh, Target or Walmart have had a good run. Yeah. Do you think that's something that will be um, long term, or is this something that's COVID related that will die out eventually? Well, well, Target's had it has had a run, and it still has a run. Walmart's a little bit different. Walmart had a run, maybe kind of like last year's news, and now has been a lot more two sided. Maybe even at the lower end of its most recent recent range. Um, but do I think this is? I, I don't know. Is Target a meme stock? I don't, I mean, like, I don't know if the audience. No, definitely no. No, I, I, I want to clarify no relationship whatsoever to meme stocks. Basically, what I'm saying is um, going on to a different subject. What is your take on this retail uh, trend that you see towards um, food related stocks, say, such as uh, sure. Walmart, Costco, or, or Target? Yeah, I mean, it's, am it's amazing how. Um, when you least expect it, expect it comes, comes true again. Like I don't, you know, I didn't think the Costco's and the targets of the world um, would be what we would talk about or be on our lips with marketed highs. You know, you would think more would be the NVIDIA's, which has had a great move or, or uh, the Moderna or the Apple's even like Apple was not doing well or participating in the market at all up until about a month or so ago. And now, you know, into earnings a little bit. Amazon, we, I just talked about a moment, another one, you know, like if you're telling me the NASDAQ's at highs, I would think, you know, Amazon would be doing, would be doing well, you know, Tesla, although it's $700 and change, you know, you know, it's no longer the, you know, going to 2000, Kathy Woods is no longer, you know, on everybody's lips. You know? I mean, it's amazing how these people come and go, but yet retail investors like me and you, you know, we still have to benefit, you know, so it's okay to ride the coattails 
to some of these mean stocks or the, the Kathy Woods or, you know, nobody wants to, nobody looks anymore at the reports on what Kathy's buying or selling anymore. You notice how that goes away? All the charlatans are like finding something else to, to yeah. hawk right now. You know what I mean? It's, it's sad, but it's true. Maybe we're, maybe it's a time where we go back to, you know, true trading and maybe, uh, you know, I remember when IBM was, uh, you know, when, when if IBM went up, the market went up, you know, if IBM went down, the market went down. Maybe we get more into that. And um, I think retail, to answer your question, I think retail is overdone. Um, and so, so what does that mean? So if the market were to reverse a little bit, I think retail stocks are going to get hit the most. And if the market continues higher, I think retail stocks will, will underperform. So it's not like, you know, do I hate Target at this level? Yeah, probably. But it really has more to do with, like, how can I benefit from something? If I thought that, you know, the market was at a, um, a capitulation in price, I might say Target's going to go down a lot more than, say, Amazon just because Amazon hasn't participated in the market the way that Target has, right. or Costco. For sure, that, that makes perfect sense. There's more in, inherent risk because uh, consumers will have- uh, That's correct. That's purchasing power. That's correct. And as you know, purchasing power affects our investment decisions and buying decisions outside. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. And, you know, it looks like inflation is, is kind of- um, still there. Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't believe that inflation is, is dead, that, that I think um, the Fed would want you to believe. Um, so there's a lot of looming things, but that's what the market needs. The market to go higher actually needs worry. Like when everything is great, the market usually doesn't do as well. You know, you need a little bit of worry for the market to continue on. And right now we got a lot of worry. So, so maybe it's not done. Right. Right. And, uh, Right now, what, what's your message to all our listeners and to all these uh, traders that are watching right now? Say the question one more time. I missed it. What, what would be your message right now or a piece of advice that you could give to all these traders and all these um, entrepreneurs that watch us and are interested in the market? But uh, maybe uh, I hope they do uh, watch and they, they definitely... Tasty Trade is one of the outstanding platforms out there that I found personally to be helpful. What is your message at the moment? Wow. Um, don't worry about FOMO. Like, you know, the fear of missing out. I think that was part of, to your point about, you know, meme stocks. I think that's what ignited a generation was, you know, the fear of missing out on, on what's going on. Also, you know, to screw Wall Street, you know, like, you know, uh, we're going to do this like there was a social cause to trading or investing. There was no social cause to trading and investing. I'm sorry. It's just math. It's just numbers. You're allowed to benefit from them. So benefit from them. Um, don't worry about the social part of it. If you want to donate the money you make from trading, go right ahead. But it's not how you're going to be successful by, by some social cause. So get that out of your head. Um, and then don't worry about like, you know, the market's always open. It's basically 24-7 these days. Um, we're going to go global seven days a week, so you won't even have Saturdays off anymore. Um, so don't worry about missing out on anything. Go small. Like, you know, don't, not all, you know, the, the it's not a TV show, so we're not pushing our chips all into the front of the table and standing up and saying I'm all in. 
you know, go slow. Uh, like I said in the beginning, learn how to learn how to to pay the electric bill or learn how to buy lunch this week, and um, you'd be surprised. One brick at a time, and you build a a pretty nice wall over a couple of years, and then you build yourself a pretty nice house, and then you move on from there. I mean, that's really how it is. But you got to start small, or you will you will end it will end poorly because you can't be right all the time. And you got to learn why you're wrong. That's great. Great advice. Thank you so much, Tony. It was a pleasure yeah. to have you in FinTech today. And uh, to our listeners, make sure that you watch this and, and watch tastytrade.com, uh, his shows, because they are definitely one of the best shows I've found out there. Thank you. I'd love to come back anytime you'll have me, Carlos. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.